gutted i am elise and i'm tony and we're here to spill our guts about horror films today we will be discussing 1993's leprechaun written and directed by mark jones this episode will be a spill your guts episode where we recap the entire film and explore some of the film's elements more deeply spilling all of our feelings thoughts and guts in the process before we do however we should warn you there will be spoilers so listen at your own risk that's true and I should say that if you haven't seen Leprechaun from 1993, there is a statute of limitations against spoilers, so mm. you're out of luck. Oh, good. <laughs> pun right. intended. All right. Actually, that pun was not intended, but I'm going to take <laughs> credit for one. it anyways. <laughs> try as they will, and try as they might. Who steals me gold? We begin in a dark basement. A door is opened, revealing a shock of light and a small figure clad in stripy knee highs, gold buckled pumps, and a top hat. Our figure descends the stony steps to get to his crock of gold. Our miserly and paranoid figure counts his doubloons, declaring with an Irish lilt that try as one might, whoever steals his gold will not live through the night. And who might this miserly mystery man be? Why, the leprechaun, of course, played by Warwick Davis. Cut to a limo cruising through rural roads in the dead of night until it reaches a modest little farmhouse. Smartly dressed man emerges, downs the rest of his bottle of J. Messo Irish whiskey, then greets his flabbergasted wife on the front stoop. A limousine? Mr. Dan O'Grady, we are not rich people. Couldn't you tell that by my apron and sensible shoes? But honey, worry not, for I came into a bit o' money after attending me mother's funeral in Ireland. The horror rises to Mrs. O'Grady's face as her belligerent husband grabs his mother's urn and smashes it on the table. But I, there are no ashes there but gold coins. Where did you get this? Why, a leprechaun, of course. I caught him and made him show me his gold. Them's the rules. Well, this calms Mrs. O'Grady enough. He's just drunk. Despite him dropping the aforementioned coins all over the porch, she's convinced these are chocolates, subway tokens, who knows? But a pot o' tea should sober this situation up. While Mrs. O'Grady's tea brews along with a storm, a small girl's voice is heard cooing in the, to the tune of Mary Had a Little Lamb. Mr. O'Grady, is that you? What an angelic voice you have. But wait, the voice is coming from his suitcase. What else did my husband bring back from Ireland? Is he trafficking young children? I apparently did not know him at all. She unlocks the suitcase and the child emerges. But it's not a child at all. It's a leprechaun. And before Mrs. O'Grady can curse her fool of a husband, that hot-headed leprechaun backs her up to some ill-placed basement stairs, and poor Mrs. O'Grady meets her demise. Cue Mr. O'Grady. Back from hiding the gold, he enters a dark house. Mrs. O'Grady eerily asks from the kitchen, Where did you hide it, Dan? 
before he can answer, our sneaky leprechaun saunters out of the kitchen, revealing his knack for impersonations, and we can't help but wonder that Dan may have revealed his secret had Mr. Leprechaun not been so dang proud of his hidden talent. Mr. O'Grady is briefly concerned over the welfare of his wife, then moves on to the bigger issue. He's come to take me gold! O'Grady runs to the bedroom to grab his revolver and a four-leaf clover. Leprechaun's kryptonite! Put it away! Leprechaun shouts, and for the first time he sounds scared. O'Grady fires a few shots, and Leprechaun is back to his carefree schoolgirl giggling. He scampers down into the basement where he gets to show how he's evolved from casual impersonator to full-on ventriloquist. And with a real live dead dummy, Mrs. O'Marionette politely asks Dan again for the gold's location, and now he gets it. My wife's dead? That does it. Paired with the power of the clover, Dan fires his revolver and hits that elusive leprechaun. He then gently plops his body into a well-placed crate and nails it shut with the clover on top, rendering little old Leppy helpless. And just to really make sure he's donezo, O'Grady douses the crate in gasoline. But won't that incinerate the one thing keeping our villain contained? No matter. Just as Leprechaun predicted or willed, Dan suffers from a stroke before he can fling his match. Problem solved. A greedy man gets his just desserts and a murderous mythical creature is trapped for eternity. Or at least for ten years. Cut to the sunny, sprawling hills of North Dakota in the early 90s to a spunky country tune aptly crooning about four-leaf clovers and lucky charms. A father-daughter duo speed along an empty highway with the latter bemoaning her distance from L.A. for an entire summer. Ugh. They finally arrive to a familiar-looking farmhouse, a little more dilapidated than before, much to the chagrin of our young heroine, Tori, played by Jennifer Aniston. She finally relents and follows her good-natured father into the fixer-upper, aerating the dry soil with her open-backed kitten heels as she goes. No swimming pool, no shopping mall, and no cable? Double ugh. But cobwebs in the basement? That's the last straw. Tori offers to book a hotel in town. She'll pay. Then Dad delivers our primary moral quandary of the film. Do you really think money is all you need to get by in life? Hmm, Tori seems to think so, and it becomes even more apparent as she storms out of the house and bumps into our sleeveless country hunk, Nathan, spilling his bucket of paint thinner as she goes. She offers him 20 bucks for the inconvenience, but what? He doesn't want it? He wants an apology? What is that? Who is this guy? And now he's implying that my distaste for tarantulas is typical amongst all girls? This is the 90s. Who is is this sexist, sexy hunk. That settles it. Dad, I'm staying. Tori shows Nathan what a real feminist looks like by trading her kitten heels for LA gear high tops and a serving tray of iced teas. Just as the two really start to bond over a little more playful verbal abuse from Nathan and the mysterious crate in the basement, screaming is heard from outside. It's our lovable dope, Ozzy, covered in primary blue paint. His pint-sized sidekick, Alex, and Nathan's little brother of about 11 years of age, chortles beside him. Meet the motley painting crew that must be fairly new at the job given the patches of hyper-pigmented red and blue haphazardly splash behind them. Too bad Tori knocked over all that paint thinner. 
While Ozzy gets cleaned up, he hears a familiar schoolgirl singing her beloved nursery rhymes, and it seems to be coming from the basement, but more specifically, that crate, and with one slow-mo sweeping motion, the withered clover is knocked to the floor, releasing that maniacal miser that we all know and love. Luckily for Ozzy, old Leppy's powers are weak. Unluckily for Ozzy, no one outside believes there's a leprechaun in the basement demanding gold and threatening to bite off his ear. When a rainbow mysteriously appears in the sky, this is Ozzy's chance. Everyone knows a leprechaun's gold can be found at the end of a rainbow. With childlike wonder, Ozzy lumbers after this chance to clear his name, and with adult-like cynicism, Alex pursues his buddy in hopes to get him back to that crucial paint job. They finally find the end of the rainbow along with a sack of ancient gold coins. Validation, Ozzy thinks. Not so fast. Good thing Alex is there to attack his intelligence and knock some sense into him. Obviously, leprechauns aren't real. But what about this gold? In an attempt to prove the coin's worth, Ozzy bites one but somehow swallows it. Come on, Ozzy, just when we were rooting for you. Alex launches a couple more playful insults, including killing him, then devises a plan to keep the rest of the gold a secret from the adults until they can get it examined. If it's real, Alex can finally get Ozzy that operation. You know, the one that can fix his brain to make him smart. Oh, how sweet. Alex does care, even if he can't see the hurt obviously painted across his best buddy's face. Speaking of paint, Nathan is mansplaining to Tori the do's and don'ts of painting a house. To be fair, she is doing a terrible job. To be fair, so is he. But this sexual tension is undeniable. This calls for more paint. Nathan goes in one direction to get a new brush. Tori goes in the opposite to get another bucket of tomato red from the truck. We pan down to see that cheeky leprechaun underneath going for a sensual caress of Tori's exposed shin. A smile reveals that she's into it. Nathan, what are you doing? She turns around to see that Nathan is back at the house? What the? Ouch! Tori is scratched deep, but the culprit is nowhere to be found. Dad and Nathan come running after an awkward explanation of that a man, originally thought to be the hired help, was caressing her leg. Dad attempts to bring his daughter back to reality by declaring it was a cat. To prove it, I'll plunge my hand deep into this dark hole where a mysterious cat mew is coming from. And Dad's hand gets it. It's rabies for sure. To the hospital they go. While Dad is admitted, Ozzy and Alex seize this opportunity to check the value of their gold coin. They take it to Joe's collectibles and coins, where Joe informs them that one coin is either worth $500 or is priceless. Unfortunately, he wants to keep it overnight to examine. Alex and Ozzy agree, then shuffle off to meet their co-stars at the cafe. Once gone, poor Joe is pogoed to death by one of his own collectibles. Aww. Cut to a non-essential but entertaining segue, Leppy goes joyriding in a power wheel, gets pulled over for being out past his bedtime, then leads the snarky cop on a cat and mouse chase through the forest until he finally meets his demise. Back at the cafe, the sexual tension is gone, and Nathan is back to shaming Tori, this time her skinny body. Without asking, he attempts to foist a plate of sloppy brown meatloaf upon her to fatten her up. She shoots the shame back by declaring she does not eat cut-up dead flesh. Do these two have anything in common? If only there was a wall of paint to rekindle that spark. With Dad overnight at the hospital and out of the script for the rest of the movie, the remaining four of our Scooby team arrive back at the house only to find the cabinets ransacked and all their shoes polished. What? 
happened here. A bear. A bear did it, says Nathan. That makes sense. Now take this broom, Tori, and clean up that kitchen. You know how to work one of these, right? Nathan has to save his strength to go outside and investigate a strange sound and get caught in a bear trap. Revenge from Tori? Sadly, no. More of a gleeful prank by our title character who then comes springing out of the bushes, finally revealing himself to all. Now they have to believe Ozzy. Nope. The three zany montages later, countless admissions by the creature himself and a tiny hand reaching through a disconnected phone finally convince our smarter characters that they are in fact being terrorized by an actual leprechaun. Tori finally coaxes the hiding place of the gold out of Ozzy and Alex and gives Lil Leppy the bulk of his treasure save for one coin that has yet to be coaxed from Ozzy's system. Knowing that their pursuer is an all-or-nothing kind of guy, Ozzy has an idea. Old man O'Grady. He's in a rest home now, but if anyone would know what to do, it's that crazy kook. And for once, the gang agrees with Ozzy. At this point, Tori is the most able-bodied person for the job. While the others distract Old Leppy with a box of unpolished shoes, Tori speeds off to Old Grady's rest home. Once there, Tori sneaks past the sleeping security guard and wanders through desolate hallways until she finally finds the old man's room. With tears rising to her eyes, she pleads to the back of Mr. O'Grady's head, only to discover that that's not Mr. O'Grady. A chase ensues. Leprechaun's wheelchair versus Tori's L.A. gear, and L.A. gear makes it into the elevator just in time. But ah! A body falls from the ceiling. Oh, there's Mr. O'Grady. Tori's tears are flowing freely now, and as is the advice from a dying old dude. They need a four-leafed clover. Only a four-leafed clover can stop him. Tori speeds home and makes a beeline for the neon green grass patch. Whilst Tori, Nathan, and Ozzy comb for a clover, Tori has a mini meltdown. This is pointless. But you just gotta believe, says Ozzy. Fine, I believe, cries Tori in a huff as she petulantly grabs the grass patch. Does she, though? I guess she does, because she finds one. Meanwhile, at the barn, Alex has a grand plan of his own to catch Leppy in a bear trap. Of course, it backs, backfires, and only the only way for Ozzy to lure Leppy away from his best buddy is to bravely declare the last coin is in his belly. Leppy goes after Ozzy, jumps on top of him, slices him repeatedly across the face with his resourceful belt buckle shiv. Now it's Alex's turn to come to the rescue. With his trusty slingshot, he wads the kryptonite clover in his chewing gum and shoots. It's straight for Leprechaun's mouth. It's a direct hit, and our villain's luck has run out as he sparkles and zaps into a gloppy goo, then finally falls down a well. And for good measure, Nathan pours in a couple gallons of gasoline and lights a match. You know how to work one of those, right? He does, and the well explodes into oblivion. The, the nightmare is over. Or is it? I want me to. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank that you. was That's wonderful. <laughs> um, I, ad I feel like I don't need to... Watch say anything the else movie. yeah, yeah, yeah or say yeah that's it's that's the end be... of the podcast bye guys <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well i guess um we should say that we chose this film as our first one to review because it was my sort of initiation into horror it was uh what sparked my love for the horror genre 
And somehow this movie didn't make your top 10. For those who saw the intro video, we went over our top 10 movies. It's in a different list of its own, you know? Maybe it's part of Tom's top 10. It's Tom's top top two for sure. If you didn't see the intro episode, this is Tom back here. He's peeping. He's peeping. He's got he's got some thoughts, but um, mostly just peeps. Yeah. Um, but I saw this movie when I was about I think eight, maybe I think I was like in third grade or something. And, uh, and this was your first horror movie, or the first horror movie that you remember or have fond. I would say it was probably my first horror movie that I saw. Uh, if there were others before it, then I don't remember. Just totally so blocked them out. Blocked those ones out. They weren't important. This, this one, one would be very Definitely memorable. sparked my interest. And yes. I was not really allowed to watch horror movies at my house. Um, but little did my mom know. I was going to my cousin's house and scampering down to the video store down the block and renting them with my older and younger cousins and it's always the cousins it's, it's the, always the cousins, the cousins are always the influencers are the gateway or maybe it's movie. because um you know they want to seem cool or like try to scare you or something or they just want to you know share something cool that they found <laughs> or the rules are different in another house the rules are different it's like you know european syndrome where you go somewhere in europe and you're like oh the rules don't apply i'm gonna get in this strange car with this person yeah like i i remember when i was in elementary school age i had some friends who were banned actually i think you were also banned from watching banned. the simpsons mm-hmm no, salute your shorts. Salute your shorts, yeah. even better. And Ren and Stimpy, I was not allowed to watch those. I'm sure there were movies that I was banned from watching as well, but um, I always remember just being in the room and instead of saying like, no, you can't watch this, it's like you could be in the room, but you have to close your eyes if there's nudity any, or any like Had like a finger's width apart from each oh, finger. Oh yeah, I was really was good fun. at, I was like, oh. Yeah. Well, peeping Tom effect. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Peeping Tom. And then after parents went to bed, then it was free, free, free game. game. Yeah. 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 Free game. Yeah. Tree falls in the forest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, um, when I saw this movie, I, I think I was just very enthralled with um, the fact that I was watching a horror movie, I was kind of a little proud of myself. I was like, ooh, this is scary and I'm watching it. I can handle this. Yeah. Uh, but also the the main character of Tori, played by Jennifer Aniston. I loved her. I wanted to be her. She was my role model for... And this is pre-Friends. So this you had was no idea pre-Friends. When yeah. you saw the movie, you had no idea no, what I Friends was. No, I actually thought she was Blossom. I thought, was, I thought she was Blossom. <laughs> I thought that she and Blossom were the same person. <laughs> I thought she was Clarissa Explains It All. Did you? No. <laughs> um, completely different hair types. Uh, but I thought Tori was so cool with those flower shorts and those high tops. And uh, she was just very empowered. And I, I think watching about it the now, leather jacket? The, I mean, I didn't really care so much for the leather jacket. It was those shorts. Do you shorts. remember the leather jacket? Or the dress she wore like in when she first gets to the I house? don't remember the dress. I do what remember do those. style of dress? I don't know, like a little sundress. It was sundress. cute little it was very dress 90s. and little kitten heels that were had like that little tiny like backless heel, little yeah. tiny stumpy stem. The leather jacket outfit with the sneakers actually I think reminded me more of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, the movie. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she does kind of don that outfit towards the end. So, yeah, and I think that came out before. I, I couldn't tell you. I'm not going to refute you on that one. 
I don't know for Fact sure. Fact check us. Yeah. Fact check. I guess I could search for it, but, but I don't want no. the, the like key typing. It's kind of distracting. We'll let you guys fact check that for us. Yeah. Um, no, I, I remember those shorts though. And now looking at those shorts and thinking, oh, those shorts. But the time they were super cool. And I was really into those shorts. Were you? I was. Oh, I was good. like, this, these shorts are cool. Okay. You're not being snarky, are you? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm really into those shorts in a serious way. No, I don't. Oh, they were cool. Yeah. And I, I guess that Mark Jones in an interview said that uh, the temperatures in the area where they were shooting were pretty cold. They were filming in California, I think like Santa Clarita or something. And uh, uh, Simi Valley. Simi Valley. But, were, and it was pretty cold temperatures for yeah. California. And he felt bad having Jennifer running around those tiny shorts. Yeah. But they had that scene in the Saugus ca uh, Cafe, which is near Santa Clarita. Ah, yes. okay. See, California geography, I'm not sure. Yeah, California uh, geography. Or yeah. just like spotting all of the spots in California. Yeah. Some at the Saugus Cafe, I think it's pretty uh, well known. In Is that. it? I, I think so. Know. Maybe just for me. I, I went to school near, near. Santa Clarita. And yeah, uh, yeah Saugus okay. Cafe was, cafe. although I never went. Uh, but well, you, sh I knew you what it was. should go now and say, oh, this was where they had meatloaf and leprechaun i think i will do some leprechaun tourism yeah yes hit up all the hot spots yeah um but i think why i really really liked this movie as a younger child is that yeah you feel proud when you're watching a horror movie as a kid because you're brave enough to watch it uh and the film didn't seem patronizingly um geared towards kids right um i had no idea that um i think mark jones later says that he wrote it for kids he made it for kids a horror movie for kids but at the time i had no idea that it was made for kids i thought this is a legit horror movie made for the you know bravest of adults and i'm watching it i bragged to all my friends didn't tell my mom and do you think he wanted to make it for kids because that was so you know in just doing research about the episode, we found out that he was um, a writer for Scooby-Doo. Right. He did Scooby-Doo episodes. He started yeah. out as, um, I think he started out as an animator and then he got into writing some of the episodes. Yeah. I think I remember in an interview that I listened to, he um, came to Hollywood as, as an animator, but um, didn't think he kind was of... a good enough artist or couldn't cut it as an artist. So thought he should transition into writing. And then he wanted to transition into directing. But he always wanted to direct. So, oh, okay. and Leprechaun was sort of his, his first, you know, yeah. Gateway. So I think he was, he was thinking um, a horror movie is more likely to, you know, um, get, picked, to get, up. The, get mm -hmm. picked up. Yeah. Which is one of the great things about horror movies. It's, um, spawn the careers of so many yeah it's that often that vehicle yeah that helps you get into that area that you want to get into yeah and she might not admit it but jennifer aniston's first that movie, was her vehicle was she so, she might have been in some like tv I think stuff she or was something in before. like the tv version of ferris bueller i think she was there like was the a sister. tv version there was a tv ferris version bueller. i think she was the sister i'm pretty sure hmm. um well, you know, I, I think one of the um, the themes or sort of one of the things that I thought about when um, watching this movie as an adult, because I, you know, I'd probably seen it as a kid, but maybe didn't have that um, same connection that you had. Because I think when you see something and it's connected to a certain memory where maybe you're spending time with cousins or it's like a sleepover, it's like early memory. Um it sticks with you. Mm -hmm. And I, I do have like my, the movie for me that sticks, sticks with me in that way is, um, is 
Army of Darkness because mm. it's because my family would didn't really watch a lot of um, movies in the we called it the walk-ins. Um, we were the a drive-in family. We would load up all the kids. You had a name for we called it the walk-ins. <laughs> yeah. Because it was expensive. So we, yeah, like my yeah. parents were just like, well, load up all the kids. They're probably just going to fall asleep during the movie. Yeah. Put them in the back of my dad's <laughs> truck. And it had, it was like an old um, carpeted, the back was carpeted and it had two levels. Wow. Um, so we'd bring you our blankets, popcorn, snacks, okay. all that, Capri Suns. And, you were set up for the drive-ins. And, and uh, actually, yeah, um, going to the drive-ins, they always had um, horror movies played off in the side on the side even if it if it if there's yeah. like so you go there to watch what about or anything Bob, like that but you're kind of like peeking at always peeking instinct. over i think yeah i was definitely i i mean um i remember tales from the crypt bordello blood mm. yeah mm-hmm. i didn't know what it was or anything what? about it i think i'd seen the trailer but we went to a drive-in theater um to see probably a kid's movie Maybe Jurassic Park, those in the drive-ins for... It's oh. not a kid's movie. Well, that's <laughs> a family movie. <laughs> I mean, it is. You know, I have this argument that, you know, Spielberg does make family horror movies. Yeah. But it's not a kid movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dinosaurs. I was thinking like Marlene. It's educational. Scientific. Milo and Otis. <laughs> Ooh, that, I did love that movie. Um, but I have that like specific memory um, of uh, Army of Darkness because it was one of the few times that I went to the walk-in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it was like a real, I was like, whoa, this is a really cool movie. Um, I, I think I got a little bit off topic, topic, but I think I was talking about just like that first movie that um, sticks with you. Sticks with you. And yeah, so. Because you're young and you're a sponge and that's, you know, solidified for life. Well, so. this one's perfect, um, Leprechaun, because it is kind of, it it kind of straddles that line of like, it's kind of for kids, but it it's a, a little edgier gateway. than yeah. say like, like Ernest, Ernest Scared, Scared Stupid. Ernest mm-hmm. Scared Stupid. Which is still a good movie. I will still watch that I, movie. I, I admit, that right I now. knew it was for kids because Ernest is just, he, you know, he's, he's for goofy. kids. He's goofy. Yeah. He's a goofball. It's more comedy than it is yeah. scary. It's got so, a little bit of spookiness. It's still enjoyable for kids, but yeah. Leprechaun is edgier. As well, and then like what, like how do you feel about like Goosebumps? I mean, I mean that the, was a little bit after my time. I mean, Are You Afraid of the Dark? I feel like was oh. more. Oh yeah, my that's time sorry. Oops, I'm when I was mistaken. younger. But I mean, Goosebumps. Yeah, it's like the, of the equivalent dark? of Are You Afraid of the Dark for kids yeah. now. Um, and I, I was pretty scared. When but I you watched. didn't read Goosebumps as a kid? No, I read Fear Street. Oh, yeah. She, yeah. Elise the was other R.L. Stein. There was actual series. murder. In- <laughs> there were Fear murders Street. that happened in Fear Street. And Goosebumps, they like got It's like talking dolls yeah. or disappearing They're like a monster photos. eating their lunch. Be careful like, what mm, you wish that for. That's not scary. I actually was really <laughs> scared of the be careful what you wish for book. Because I maybe I was one. like, what am I going to wish for? I don't know. Is that the, kind of in the same vein as scary stories to tell in the dark? And they're kind of all like classic um, horror, horror stories, stories mm-hmm. and ghost stories. The girl with the ribbon. She takes off the ribbon her head falls off. And they're just adapted for kids. Yeah. Like they have um, this sort of like monkey paw thing. Mm. I remember that one. I can't remember what they're called. But um, I used to read a bunch of those. Those are fun. Yeah. And they were fun. Well, anyway, I I appreciate Leprechaun so much more now, knowing that Mark Jones 
had the intention of making a horror movie for kids because I appreciate that that was my first real horror film. Yeah, and this is definitely one of those movies, even for me, you know, coming back to this as an adult, is like um, you kind of know what you're getting into. Like, you know, it's going to be goofy. You know, it's going to kind of be horror comedy, mm -hmm. maybe. I actually, I don't, I probably, I don't think I expected anything to be scary, um, but, but still enjoyable. Elements, there were elements that were scary, and I, I watching it more recently, thinking, "Oh my gosh, this was for kids!" Like when a policeman <laughs> gets his face ripped off. <laughs> or the, yeah, there's like the oozing leprechaun at the end when he gets the yeah, um, kind of. Does he get shot? He gets shot with, with a, a clover. And then he like the withers then... kind of like, you know, the gremlins and at the end of gremlins too, the new yeah. bench, they all get like oozy. That's yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, there are some parts in Leprechaun. I think I heard in, in an interview that um, they had to like, you know, go back and reshoot some scenes to like make it a little bit edgier because mm. um, it was like a little bit too mild at first. And so that's why some scenes seem a little bit disconnected. Mm. Um, like maybe that police scene was an add-on a great add-on didn't necessarily make sense or further the plot but no wonderfully needed <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh let's uh get into some of the other themes of leprechaun this gem of a film for me the the leprechaun almost overshadows every single other character just because it's um warwick davis did such a an amazing and um actually very nuanced job super nuanced yeah it was he wasn't caricature i mean he had his moments of you know being necessarily caricature of a leprechaun it wasn't caricature for um the 90s i think if if that was like a movie that came out today honestly, it'd be like whoa <laughs> what is a caricature of an evil leprechaun like is there any other evil leprechaun besides that warwick davis leprechaun i mean yeah now there are more but he that is the creation of the evil leprechaun yes so i guess it's not caricature -y. it was just a I, think, I think the word i was like hung up on the word i was go, trying to use to um you know describe and it it's an icon iconic, iconic performance that's performance what, yes. by warwick davis yes because everybody knows that character everybody is i don't know I, and even, I feel like it's yeah and even though you know he's wearing a pound of makeup and prosthetics on his face he still has a way to convey this almost wry sense of humor especially in that scene with the policeman where the policeman asks him how old are you are you old enough to be out and he looks at him kind of like cheekily like why i'm 600, like, 600 years old, years old. And he just, you can really tell. Really bad leprechaun impression. You can so. tell, like, the subtext in his mind is, I'm about to rip your face off. <laughs> uh, that's just the look that, what his eyes read through that pound of prosthetics. And so. Do you think that Warwick's performance um, was inspired by Freddy Krueger at all? Ooh. Um, I think the idea of leprechaun was perhaps inspired by freddy krueger because with freddy krueger you have kind of like the start of the sassy funny killer the charismatic charismatic mystical murderer and leprechaun kind of embodies that in just a different form yeah mm -hmm. yeah. yeah um so i wouldn't say that you know he's like like an offshoot or like you know 
Hmm, that seems basically Freddy Krueger. No, he's like his own thing. But I feel like, yeah, they kind of like get down that road then of the the funny, sassy, uh, maniacal, wry sense of humor killers like Chucky. And and but the reason, like one of the reasons why I bring it up too is because there's some um, pretty stark references to Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, with Jennifer the phone. Aniston picks up the phone mm-hmm. and that a little, little hand tiny hand comes out. Kind of reminds me of the SNL skit with the little hand. <laughs> the little hands. It's not meant to be scary with Kristen Wiig. So maybe the SNL skit was they were inspired, inspired by, by Freddy Krueger by Leprechaun. Because in, in, in Nightmare on Elm Street, it was the tongue. It was the tongue. It was like right. I want to talk to you. The Nancy, tongue. And the tongue kind of like licks mm-hmm. her. Yeah, yeah. The little tongue through the phone receiver. Yeah, and there were some other. I feel like you know other horror movie allusions or nods or homages, such as the hand that gets disconnected from the body of leprechaun oh yeah and kind of like makes its way back into the door kind of yeah. like sam raimi's yeah i yeah i was definitely seeing um in sort of the, some of the opening scenes or um definitely in that scene where the hand hand gets cut up and um, crawls up the mm-hmm. yeah i definitely saw an evil dead reference yeah, there yeah so yeah and it seems like it had a lot of influences. And then there's that moment where Alex uh, scolds Ozzy for swallowing the coin and says, nice going, Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> Love that line. Love the delivery. <laughs> Chuckle every time. Um, so, yeah, a few different horror movie nods. So I, I appreciate that, too. Yeah. And so how about the... the actually, I, I do want to just mention that... Um, one of the things that I found found, you know, what rewatching the movie that was so ridiculous to me was um they're driving to North Dakota. Yes. And I have no idea what North Dakota actually looks like. I've been to South Dakota. Hmm. We've been to South Dakota. Have we not been to North Dakota? I don't think we went Dang. into North Dakota, we but it. um I imagine the movie Fargo, that's North Dakota, right? Right. Okay. Um I mean, I don't want to just say that it's just a, like a, a winter wasteland in North Dakota. Maybe I'm in the winter. Sure, there's varying different. Yeah. Um, Scott. I don't know. I've never been. I can't. If I postulate so we, anything, yeah, I'll okay. be wrong. I guess we can't say what <laughs> the um, landscape of North Dakota yeah. looks like. So, but it didn't. It feel. It felt like they were just saying some place that was kind of. We're going in. So far Alabama. removed from. Yeah. <laughs> LA and yeah, it could have been anywhere yeah and it's like okay they they clearly shot this in but LA they, but they, like, they kind of make that joke too because Jennifer Aniston's character says oh we're going to New Mexico no honey it's North Dakota I'm, yeah I'm it? sure New Mexico and North Dakota yeah, I get. so I feel like that's kind of like a little joke inside joke from the right and the fact that she's wondering or that she's thinking that the drive from Los Angeles to North Dakota. North Dakota is similar to the drive from Los Angeles to New Mexico. Yeah. Unless they... Oh, I found it more interesting. Flew that... somewhere and maybe she got picked and up. Then and then they drove in the airport. She didn't know where she's at. I... She's on all kinds of no, sedatives. No, because and... they had this this Jeep that seemed packed up, you know, with all their things. And I feel like it was a road, a father-daughter summer road trip. 
Uh, maybe, you know, parents are divorced and this is their time to bond. And I did find it interesting that they're driving from LA to North Dakota, which is not an easy drive, I imagine. And they're in this topless Jeep. She's wearing this tiny little sundress and heels. Not good road she's tripping apparel. Yeah, she's dressed to go to the mall. Is this your first road trip, lady? Anyway. Actually, I could see that being a good road trip <laughs> outfit because, it... yeah, in the Jeep, it's like, probably hot so it's okay. like breezy you, you wear that sundress on the next right she, she'd be like just <laughs> insanely sunburnt she would look like the leprechaun <laughs> <laughs> he does have a nice tan oh but okay so the thing that i was going to mention was actually um not the road trip or the like north dakota thing but it was actually like they move into this new house and before they do any cleaning or removing of cobwebs, the, the first uh, instinct is let's paint Slap the house. Slap on the paint. <laughs> primary red and blue. Yeah, which when we were watching, we're thinking, wow, what bold color choices. And then later uh, listening to some interviews with Mark Jones, he was saying that, well, you know, my start was in Scooby-Doo episodes and we have a lot of, you know, bold color choices, which is why you see that in the interior colors and the exterior colors uh, and i was like oh, so yeah so sense. he he really is and i don't know if this is just by habit of maybe you know the world he was coming from before or if they were more like i want this to appeal to kids but also appeal to adults and so there's these sort of like moments for both and it worked and i remember as a kid just eating up eating it all up and you're like, I love that color of house. I think it's it was more palatable for a child, you know, to see people painting things in the style of the in living color intro. And like, yep, that's painting. That's what painting <laughs> means. You slap it on with a bike wheel and you're good. And that's good that you mentioned in living color because it's <laughs> it's the 90s. So it's the 90s. That's, that's what you do. Those you were paint the color choices. Yeah. It made sense. Makes total sense. Yeah. Um, I want to get into some of the um, other themes of the movie, such as the um, the lack of understanding of the other from all Whoa, sides. Whoa, you just took I it to, know, okay. to a deeper. Well, because, you know, Leprechaun, we were talking about how, like, you know, it's for kids. You know, yes. It's cereal. At least it's sitting there as a uh, nine-year-old, seven? Eight-year-old. Eight She's sitting there as an eight-year-old. And I'm critiquing thinking, the themes, the thinking, deeper layers of this yeah. movie. <laughs> i just don't want it Thinking to get about the other the other you know uh there are so many different you know it's like characters that they're all so different and they have a lack of understanding of one another uh from the get-go tori can't understand why her dad wants to come to this you know little shed this you know nothing town that has no swimming pool yeah her dad seems like a character that you would see in a truck commercial. Yeah. Where he's got wow, that perfectly um, salt and pepper sculpted beard. And he's wearing the, I think he's wearing a red shirt, like tucked well, in. Well, he's, he's gone full, full North Dakota. He's like, I'm done with LA. I'm going to get the big belt buckle. And because I think that's what they wear in North Dakota. Because I'm thinking he's not wearing that in LA. And I don't know. It's just seems like... <laughs> In L.A., he's wearing, what, the L.A. gear and the leather jacket? Yeah, the MC Hammer pants. He's he's wearing the exact same outfit that Jennifer Aniston is wearing later. He was wearing that outfit. He's wearing they the just shorts. Trade. The, yeah, <laughs> the leather jacket. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So what is it about the well, other? Well, fine. That... We can abandon that theme if it's too. <laughs> no, I, no. I mean, it's definitely there in the in the movie. It's funny, you know, talking about the 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 leprechaun, and um, it's a movie that clearly didn't take itself too seriously. It's meant to be entertaining, and I think it, it did. Was. A, yes, it did a good the, job the of being entertaining. Was very entertaining as well. There were these little moments where um, I was watching it the other night uh, for the second time in my adulthood. And I was chortling away, just shoveling popcorn in my mouth and chortling <laughs> at some it's of the lines. It's a good time. It's a real fun movie. <laughs> um, fine. I'm going to move on from my, my theme of the other. No, I, I actually <laughs> wanted to, to get into it because I, I thought that it was interesting that you're like taking a movie that where the intention probably wasn't making this um you know or so you think well that's what i'm saying because if it's his first you know movie that he's directing i feel like you can't help but want to say something else you know he's writing and directing this is his baby you know he wants it to be good he don't want to just shell out something that's like you know a piece of poo i feel like you know yes it was designed as you know surface level fun for kids and everyone um, but also you imagine that like, you know, writers can't help, but, you know, put maybe some deeper themes in there here and there throughout just peppered in like, uh, the lack of understanding between Tori and Nathan, they know that they like each other, but they have nothing in common. Goodness. He's from the country and he knows how to paint and she doesn't like spiders, but she doesn't want to be, you know, pegged as this girl that doesn't like spiders and she's trying to figure herself out you know as a young woman in the 90s who wants to feel empowered and um but doesn't quite know what that means yet um and he is just as non-understanding of her way of living as she is of his she doesn't understand how he can live out there without you know all the you know accommodations of yeah. la living or yeah. city living but he doesn't understand how she can uh, eat what she eats or not eat what she eats. And he just wants to shovel food in her face, this nasty brown sludge that she's going to think, mm, yeah, thank you. So, yeah, they don't understand each other. Understand people each coming other. from the city, people coming from the country. Yeah. They're just living in these two separate worlds. Mm -hmm, two separate worlds, male versus female and what those roles are. Um, maybe there's a lot to be learned from that in t today's climate. Yes. So this movie is still holds up. <laughs> still holds up. Holds up today, guys. Watch yep. it. Um, kids versus adults. Um, that and the the role reversals that happen because Alex, who's like I don't know, like ten or eleven in the film, and he has a more adult like character than Ozzy does, who is a full fledged adult, but maybe has more of a child mindset. And Alex played. I think you mentioned it in your recap, but Alex is played by. Um... I did not mention. Oh, okay. So yeah. we have this. It's uh, Alex is played by Ken Oland. No, Are oops. You, I think sorry, that's I Nathan. messed that up. Yep. Nathan's Ken Oland. Alex is played by Roger Gorman. And um, sorry for the mix up there, but um, I recognized him from um, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's oh, Dead. Oh, yeah. Although I couldn't remember exactly where I recognized him and I had to like. Wasn't he also kind of like a sassy young boy in that movie? Yeah. Also? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of typecast as a sassy young boy. Yeah. I and mean, yeah, just really good at being that kind of like way mature. Um, Can 90s say curse kid. words with power. Yeah. Yeah. 
kill you with a curse word. Yeah. (laughs) And then Mark Holton as Ozzy Jones, um, who we know from uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, playing Francis. I I did not see these are these are my your childhood staples. Yeah. So I it was I think that's one of the things that's that was nice about watching the movie is like oh you're like oh that guy that guy was another yeah. 90s staple yeah 90s yep. icon um ken olent played nathan yeah i didn't recognize him from any I didn't. other I, apparently he was in april fool's day uh which i saw probably not long after i saw leprechaun for the first time so i can't tell you much about that movie yeah I think I saw like all the holiday movies in a row. I was like Leprechaun and then April Fool's Day and then Halloween. Just And I didn't through. know that Warwick Davis was the Leprechaun until way later watching it as an adult. Like, and you know what? I did. I know everyone I mean, I loved Willow at yeah. the time. I did not like Willow. I loved I Willow. Kn- I, could, I could see you as a Willow fan. Yes. I think I was anti Willow because everyone else was so into it. So I was just naturally anti. (laughs) (laughs) I was a punk rock little eight year old. Um, Not really. Well, we were talking about the idea of sort of like um, the reversal of responsibility. Mm -hmm. So the young um, Alex is uh, is almost more mature than Ozzy. Take care of Ozzy. He has to run after him. Make sure he gets back to that paint job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Alex still, he is very much a child and he um, talks to, tells Ozzy, oh, we can use this money to get you that brain operation and make you smart. And later Tori says to Alex, you can't have an operation to have that done. And Alex is like, oh, I knew that, but Ozzy doesn't know that. Like, well, I so think he's putting on this. He's putting front putting the blame on Ozzy, this but, responsible kid, or like this yeah. kid who's more mature than he actually is, but really still. He's really just a stuff. child. Yeah, he is a child. But he, but there's that scene where he's like, I could really go for a beer right now. Yeah, and Ozzy's trying to. <laughs> he's trying to muster up all this adult like behavior that he can. He says, "You never drink that stuff." <laughs> and then Alex, of course, you know, shoots him down by doing the little like. What's that? Flip your nose trick, you know. Well, I was going to ask if um, if the the leprechaun is the character that feels the otherness. And maybe that's a reason for his disdain for the world. I really want to bring this to that to mm, that place. I bring it bring it all in. You know, I just kind of feel like Leprechaun is he could give one fig about the rest of the world because <laughs> he just he's cares got about his, his gold. gold. All hundred of those gold coins, just this little miser, little Silas Marner counting his gold coins. And then they go missing because other people get greedy. And he doesn't even really want these gold coins for what they're intended for. Like he doesn't want to buy a swimming pool or a house. He just, he just wants to wants count to them. He keep the gold. He just wants like pets, you know, like they're his children. He sold his soul for these coins and he wants to make sure that they are all accounted for. Yeah. So um, it's kind. Of, that's kind of a little detail. And, I, you know, we at one point we went through and watched systematically Leprechaun 1 through Back to the Hood, which I don't know that is that one like number six or seven. I don't remember. I don't even know because if then we there's got Leprechaun through. Returns and Leprechaun there, now Origins, there's Origins. I've never which seen we Origins, haven't seen yeah. either of those mm-hmm. yet. Um, but we did, and I I remember um, 
because I think we found a, a box set or something. This is a while ago. It was like probably like like one of those like bargain bins. Like oh, get all. No, I don't think it was a bargain bin. No. I think we we were just like oh, every Leprechaun movie, let's yes. get it. And then yes. we watched every single one. Um, I my personal favorite Leprechaun outside of part one because you always have to love okay. the yeah, original mm -hmm. um is leprechaun in space which i believe is number four yeah i think i i'm a i'm partial to leprechaun in vegas that's um, number three i think that is three yeah yeah i can't remember leprechaun too. i remembered the the deaths in leprechaun in vegas i don't think it's even called leprechaun in vegas but the one where he goes to vegas yeah um but i feel like that one really taps into like you know human greed and one lady wishes for his gold like all of his coins and he's like okay with that sneaky little smile and he puts it in her belly kind of like a little you know allusion to ozzy in part one so i that, think what i liked about leprechaun in space was just it was he's in space well yeah he's in space I, yeah that's always just like the, the, the writer we can't think of like, what to do let's put this character in space on ice no leprechaun in space Ooh, leprechaun on ice would have been yeah. good um, no, but I like the fact that it, it was just so over the top. Like, we don't care. We're just making a movie. Uh, the opening scene, they're on some obvious studio set Mars thing. And they're they're like um, uh, like Mars troopers or Mars. They're, then... they're like soldiers that come out. And then Leprechaun just comes out of nowhere with a machine gun. And <laughs> it's like one I of those. I don't remember this very well but now i'm wondering what came first leprechaun in space or jason in space because doesn't jason go to space in like yeah. jason 10 or something there's probably i think there's probably i'd have to think about it but i'm, I'm sure, sure there are i'm sure if, even before jason or leprechaun there were other movies where it's like we have a bunch of sequels where are we gonna Let's put them put what's them the craziest space? thing space is the craziest place why not like the <laughs> deep deep ocean Oh, maybe they had Dracula in space or Frankenstein in space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe um, people listening to this who are on platforms like YouTube can write in comments. What other horror sequels are in space? That would or be what other what movie started the whole trope? Like, let's send them to space. I mean, wouldn't it go like way back, like Planet? nine from outer space oh or? maybe oh or but that one started, started in, space. in space so yeah. i'm saying like oh killer clowns from outer space How, well that, that started made? in space so i'm saying like a no, franchise or a mm. series Did that one oh, start in space? oh i see what you're saying so yeah like so series franchise yes yeah, like ghost so something like dracula they made hundreds of dracula ideas. movies and at one point they ran out of ideas and they're like let's send dracula to space yeah. i'm wondering if maybe it's um did they go to space in Planet of the Apes? I feel like in the 70s, I mean, they were probably... They, I don't All right, don't any, anyone out there, if you've got the answer to this Honestly, question... Honestly, I may not have even seen Planet of the Apes. That one, I mean, you hadn't seen um, Jaws for the longest time. Planet of the Apes is my blind spot. <laughs> oh, well, it's not a horror movie, right? Anyway, um, moving on. It, there are some horrific <laughs> elements in some of the sequels, for sure. All right. So I guess it's debatable. Yeah. Um, Science fiction and horror, I think, are pretty similar, and uh, there's a lot of crossover there. So, But I would say that um, Planet of the Apes is primarily science fiction. Okay. Um, 
I kind of want to segue on to um, some of my favorite scenes in Leprechaun okay, 1. Okay. Getting back to Leprechaun 1. Yes, yeah, so we have to save focus. Save, we'll save the space the sequels for... topic for when we actually watch it again. <laughs> when we do a four-hour episode on, on Leprechaun, Leprechaun in Space. space. Um, so some of my favorite scenes. My favorite scene today, watching it as an adult, uh, is the scene where... Uh, Tori goes to get the paint out of the truck and Leprechaun is caressing her shin and she's like, Nathan, what are you doing? <laughs> and just ignoring the fact for a second that like, would it have been possible for Nathan to like dive under the truck? Yeah, if you watch the scene, her seeing and caressing. They're interacting and then she walks away. I think she's like, let me show you how a pro gets a can of paint. Yeah. And she walks over to the truck, which is only like, 15 feet away. She saunters over to that truck. And Nathan walks off camera. <laughs> he pieces out. He's like, oh, I'm not going to watch this. But for that scene, for her, for that to actually like work out, he would had to like run somehow incognito <laughs> around the, the truck. Burrow a Slide tunnel. under the truck and then, <laughs> and then start tickling her. <laughs> I just like, okay, so fine. Ignoring all the logistics because it's a horror movie. So we had to ignore a lot of logistics. <laughs> just the dialogue that happens afterwards when she gets scratched by this cat and um she's just like blatantly explained to her dad and this guy i thought it was nathan rubbing my leg and he <laughs> just like, kind of looks at her like, they like and you it must have me? been a cat well no just like the little the exchanges of looks like nathan's like surprised that she thought this was me caressing her leg and she let me do this. So should I have And then she's like this? adamant about, I know the way a man. I, I know what it feels like when a man caresses me. And, and dad's the, like, yeah. you do? Oh, good <laughs> writing. Moment. So chuckle worthy. I wonder if that was uh, day one of shooting. <laughs> oh, please. I hope it was. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we're going to bond, guys. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and I think it's a great scene because... All of our or most of our central characters are like, you know, in the same vicinity. We finally, you know, for the first time, unbeknownst to the characters, have the leprechaun and Tori and dad and Nathan all in the same vicinity before dad has to go to the hospital and peace out for the rest <laughs> of the movie. Well, when you watched the movie as a kid, what was... What was your favorite scene? As a kid, not that do one. Do you remember any scenes? It, yes, I do. The scene where there are antics in the house after they get back to the house from the hospital and Leprechaun is popping in and out of the cabinets and Nathan's just wildly shooting it's at the Whack-a-mole. <laughs> yeah. It's like an arcade. Whack-a-mole, duck hunt style, just trying to get that Oh, guy. yeah, he's on the skateboard. He's on a skateboard going back and forth. That skateboard scene, I remember laughing heartily with my cousins. He's just a mischievous leprechaun he's just toying like, with them. Yeah, I think he even, like, you know, like, does a little blah, 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 blah at one point. So entertaining for <laughs> children. And... <laughs> When he like is on roller skates and flies through the, the fence and has a little imprint of the leprechaun through the fence. Very, yeah, very kid friendly. Very cartoon. Lovely. Cartoony. Lovely scenes. Um, well, my yeah. favorite scene was um, it's another cartoony scene. I I think I just I don't know something about like it's like the Evil Dead 2 thing where. Um, and we've talked how you are a, a Looney Tunes 
person. Yeah, if you watch the intro video, we did talk about it at least just straight up outed me as like you're a Looney Tunes guy. I was a Disney family. I know. And I'm like, oh, I elitist. know. Well, now, yeah, now thinking, I'm like, oh, so elitist. But like at the time, I'm like, oh, Looney Tunes. Who are you? Disney Channel. I only watched the Disney Channel when it was like the free month. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> that's like when we watched it too, but. Still had all the lunch boxes and all the toys. Yeah, um, uh, but yeah, I I am a proud Looney Tunes yeah. fan, yeah. and I can appreciate the cartooniness of oh, the horror. Well, because like part of the thing about horror movies is is like you're watching them and laughing the whole time, mm -hmm. e even if it's like something that's kind of terrifying. I think we just process um uncomfortableness with with laughter a lot yeah. of times or it's a way to kind of like soften well especially if you're watching it with a group you don't want them to know that you're scared so the best way to cover that up is my <laughs> yeah and, well and i was also thinking like um if you know when you watch a, a horror movie and it's just so intense and they don't have any sort of um comedic moments comedic breaks mm -hmm. um and it just at by the end you like feel exhausted yeah you're just like, oh, I just got through that. Yeah. That I, I felt that way about um, about angst. Oh, that one. Um, or and that one did fear. raise a lot of angst. It totally did because yeah. it was just uh, oh. nonstop. Yeah, it was nonstop. And, you know, Leprechaun, quite the opposite. Lots of breaks to just have the freedom to chortle with the little moments that yeah. you know, are creepy here and there. Yeah, I, and you didn't mention it in um, your review, unless I missed it. Um, but the the scene where he's pogo sticking on I the guy's I missed nothing. Chest. I missed nothing in that review. The poor. I will read uh, it again. <laughs> pawn shop dealer yeah, looking at the gold pogo'd. coin gets pogo to death. Pogo in the Joe. chest. Pogo Joe. Poor guy. Yeah. There are a lot of characters that just seem like their whole existence in the movie was it's just to get just to like add to the yeah. To yeah. The well, kills. you can't kill the Scooby team. You know, they're a team. Oh, that's right. You were uh, mentioning um, how you saw these sort of similarities to like Scooby-Doo yeah. storytelling. Because they, they go, go and investigate. They investigate in the basement at one point. And I remember thinking before I knew that Mark Jones had worked on Scooby-Doo episodes. I remember thinking, oh, that's very Scooby-Doo. Yeah, that's. Their little Scooby team clustered together investigating things in the basement. Got a strong Scooby-Doo vibe. S strong Scooby-Doo. Or Scooby-Doo storytelling. Yeah. Um, uh, so let's go ahead and uh, wrap things up a little bit since um, we're getting towards the end. Um, any fun facts from the movie that uh, you learned? Um, fun facts that I learned? Um, why don't you start with fun facts okay. that you learned? Because I, uh, I think I have to collect my, my thoughts. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so uh, just after listening to a few interviews with Mark Jones. Um, so I guess later on in the Leprechaun movies, Leprechaun has a name. His name is Lubden, according to some of the later Leprechaun movies, like maybe Origins. I think they named him Lubden, which seems to be an anagram of Dublin maybe oh i didn't even pick that up actually i had no idea that there was any name for the leprechaun i thought I it was just either. the leprechaun the leprechaun right and so um mark jones said that yeah his name wasn't lubed in it was if he had any name it was basil um, but they never actually said basil. the name basil b-a-s-i-l like basil 
uh, but they never actually said his name. I think the name got maybe like cut out of the script. It might have been in like one of the earlier drafts, but. And this was coming straight straight from, from Mark Jones. Yes. So his name is not lived in, guys. Yes. It's Basil. Um, another fun fact that I thought was interesting was um, in the same interview, uh, he was asked, like, you know, what would you have done if you had, you know, worked on Leprechaun 2? Because I think he only worked on Leprechaun 1. Um, and he's like, oh, yeah, I, um, if I had done Leprechaun 2, it would have been more of a uh, – a female leprechaun POV. So leprechaun's wife goes a searching for her long lost hubby. Uh, and that's when she finds the exploded well. And she, I think maybe was going to do like a seance or a spell to bring her husband back to life. And, um, this wife would be played also by Warwick Davis dressed in drag <laughs> and the two of them go on a killing spree around town, kind of like Bride of Chucky style. Yeah. Bride of Chucky. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, but then he also mentioned something about another script he was trying to work on with Warwick Davis. Yeah. It's called Vampric Vampricon. Vampricon. Yeah. Like a leprechaun vampire mm -hmm. hybrid. Mm -hmm. Kind of like Sharknado. If anyone is interested in um, just kind of hearing Mark Jones, because it, it was actually very interesting yeah. how he um, wanted to make this movie and he um, was kind of very aware of that it was just kind of for fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, he uh, started a really big franchise from it, it was really popular like yeah. it, he probably wasn't expecting it to be as um as popular as it was i mean i think when you're a writer I and mean, you are always kind of um expecting it to be accepted and you know for, or you're at least hoping yeah and i and i think it was um you know the character and the the movie was quirky and fun so that it makes total sense that it was really popular appealed yeah. to a lot of different audiences mm -hmm. so um cast a wide net yeah but he but yeah it's it's spawned what eight or nine leprechaun yeah. movies he only wrote the first one yeah. it uh was jennifer aniston's first feature first, film yeah her and first then she did feature. friends right after and yeah. i think and uh, then, then they changed the poster uh the original poster was just like you know leprechaun kind of like you know peering in from a door and that beam of light coming past him and then after jennifer aniston did friends then they changed the poster to have her like in the front like, yeah large and in charge but with her friend's hairdo <laughs> <laughs> they they probably just um copy and pasted a screenshot from friend. wait did you just say that no oh, well, okay <laughs> Just like, ha, 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 let me say exactly what you just said. But I, yeah, they copy and pasted a, a screenshot from Friends, just yeah. insert it. Yeah. Like, the Rachel. we get the, the higher viewings. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, we, you know, there was another thing we forgot to mention what? about, um, he talks about how the movie was inspired. Like he was, he was thinking about what to write and he was watching movies like um, Halloween and uh, my bloody Valentine and thinking what other, what other holidays, holidays could I exploit into? for this movie? And um, yeah, my word was not as good. Tap into is Tap better. Into. He didn't exploit it. <laughs> I just didn't have a better word, uh -huh. but uh 
he was sitting there watching um, a Lucky Charms commercial. Yeah. And back in the 90s, the heyday of all those fun commercially serial mascots. Yep. I, I was thinking, like, what if he wrote a Easter horror movie about the Keeper Elves or Toucan Sam? Yeah. Or oh, like the, yeah, Easter. A murderous rabbit on yeah. Easter that wants fruit. And if you don't give fruit, well, <laughs> it's over. We do have Donnie Darko. Yeah, but he didn't want fruit. I'm trying to think of more serial-themed serial <laughs> killers. Um, we have Count Dracula. Yeah. But, or, sorry, Count but Chocula. Dra Dracula doesn't kill you for chocolate. What about the um, the cookie crisp guy? That guy's... He is a thief. I mean, he's I kind of get him mixed up with dude. the Hamburglar from McDonald's. Yeah, that could be a pretty good sci-fi movie. Like ham. It's like the Cookie Crisp goof. guy meets the Hamburglar, and then yeah. they get into like some really crazy stuff. I mean, and... I think it would be really hard to find a book, cool mashup name for the two of them. That's probably why it's not been done before. That's the only reason. <laughs> well, if Mark Jones is listening to this or ever listens to this. Some ideas. Some other serial ideas. Serial ideas of yes. serial killers. What are let's do our final takeaway and then discuss next week. I thought I've always loved the Leprechaun series. Um mostly because I would say it's like eighty percent Warwick character Warwick Davis's character or portrayal of the Leprechaun. It's just a really good character. Um it's fun. It's uh funny and I, mean, I don't there's some moments that i wouldn't say it's necessarily scary but it's uh it's definitely entertaining yeah but i think there that there were some elements that were that i thought were scary and um i just really appreciate that there is a horror movie where kids who are maybe a little bit interested in the macabre uh, as I was as a child, um, I felt like that was like a really good outlet for me. Like, um, that did not, as I said, patronizingly have like a goofy, scary movie with a Casper ghost. Um, it made me feel like, okay, this is what I want to watch more of. And I don't want to just jump right into something like Nightmare on Elm Street or Child's Play. Because for a long time, even after I had seen Leprechaun, I couldn't go into the horror section at Blockbuster because I was afraid of seeing the cover of Chucky or the cover of Child's Play. Yeah, it's still scary it's for a It's still kid. creepy to see that little like pale-faced doll with piercing blue eyes and shock of red hair. Scary. Like, I don't, <laughs> don't want to be that scared that soon. You're talking that movie up quite a bit. Are you leading into something? What am I? Hmm. It seemed like you were leading into something. Interesting um, thought. But yeah, that's. <laughs> I was like, I see what you're doing here. Hmm. You are. Um, what's I don't. What's like the technical Segway. term? Leading. Le I'm leading the witness. Like a leading line or something. Yeah. Um, you're leading the witness. Um, <laughs> to where we are supposed to talk about leading the co-host to next week's show. Yeah. So episode one or. Episode one was our top 10, just mm -hmm. to kind of recap. Mm -hmm. um, today's episode uh, was My the Initiation. Into... Elisa's foray into horror, mm -hmm. um, Leprechaun. And, next, and week... next week will be my foray into horror, which mm -hmm. is Child's Play, ah, which is why... You divulged the... Of course, yeah. <laughs> I, I think, uh, yeah. 
Um, I'm just going to tease it. Tease oh, it, tease it out. And then have them wonder, what is Tony's foray? And what was Tony's? Okay, so maybe we have to edit that part out. Nah. <laughs> nah. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening and watching and or watching. Yes. So um, we are on YouTube and we are also in audio format on podcast. Um, so however you're listening, we do appreciate you listening. And uh, if you are watching on YouTube, um, please subscribe and be a part of our Boo Club. Yes, but our Boo Club. And come below. What was your first initiation into the horror genre? And if you're listening um, via audio, um, then we there are ways you can reach us. We're on Twitter at Gutted Horror Podcast. Mm. Um, we are on Instagram, Gutted mm. Horror Podcast, mm. and um, our YouTube channel as well, Gutted Horror Podcast. All right, okay. this has been an episode of Gutted, and thank you for listening. Once again, I am Tony, Please. and this is Tom back here. Hey. We'll see you next time for Child's Play on Gutted.